This is a brilliant movie. The movie I've always wanted to make about jealousy. You will not understand what I'm saying, but you must believe me. The studio decides before the movie is ever released how it's going to do. It has nothing to do with you. Those are words from director Stanley Kubrick reassuring Albert Brooks that his 1981 film Modern Romance is indeed pretty great. Seeing Faces in Movies is a podcast where each month I focus on the works of a different director or cinematographer, and each week I invite a guest on to discuss a film and the artist's filmography. I'm your host, Felicia Maroney, and this is a special features episode, and these monthly bonus episodes are outside the filmographies of the current director or cinematographer in focus, and special features came about because I wanted to talk to someone about a film either they love or I love and hopefully we both love. So today we're talking modern romance. A quick synopsis of the film is Albert Brooks directs himself as a successful film editor with far too many issues that affects the relationship between him and his remarkably patient girlfriend. Tagline for the film is Robert was madly in love with Mary. Mary is madly in love with him. Under the circumstances, they did the only thing they could. They broke up. The film stars Albert Brooks as Robert, Catherine Harold as Mary, Bruno Kirby as Jay, James L. Brooks as David, and George Kennedy as himself and Zoran. It's written by Albert Brooks and Monica McGowan Johnson, directed by Albert Brooks, cinematography by Eric Saarinen, and edited by David Feinfer. Today, my guest is Perry Jackson. I had him on before for our episode on 24-hour party people, which is part of the Robbie Mueller month. So I highly recommend you go check that one out. If you haven't seen the film before, watch it. If you haven't seen it in a while, rewatch it and give the episode a listen because I think it was a great one. So Perry, thanks so much for coming back on the show. I'm glad that you weren't traumatized from the no, first time. <laughs> of course, no, I was not. No, I was I was ready to come back. You were, I was, you know, I was happy to be on the first time. So I'm happy to be asked back. So yeah. I'm glad that we're talking about a, a really fun one. We've had oh, two yeah. fun movies, but this one's especially fun. I recommend people go listen to the episode because then you'll get to hear a bit more about not only his interest in Robin Mueller and that film, but how he started getting into watching films. So what I will ask, though, is if you could recommend to myself and the listeners a couple of films that you've watched in the past few months that you think are of note and that we should add to our watch list if we haven't seen them already. Yeah, okay. Past few months. I mean, recently, because I know it's been October, so obviously everybody is watching like October. Well, as of others of recording, we're we're in October. (laughs) Uh, Just just to to date it. But like, I I feel like... um, Trying to think of recently, like in October, I've been watching a lot of horror movies, but some of them are kind of like not really worth mentioning. Some are kind of like rewatches, some are like newer ones. But like mm-hmm. recently, I watched the movie uh, by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, I believe, named uh, Cure from 1997. It's a mm. really good uh, Asian horror movie about just it's like a more of like a detective procedural a little bit, but then also has all these elements of like psychological horror in there. And it's like legitimately unsettling and creepy. And I was, it had very like, um, very manhuntery vibes, I would say. Um, oh, okay. Which is really cool. Yeah, just in terms of like, just like a detective who gets really too caught up in his work and then it becomes sort of a, like a sickness for him in a way and then like trying to figure out this killer and is really, really interesting stuff. That's cool. And then I also watched The Hunger, which I believe you've seen before. Oh my God. Right, yeah. <laughs> Love it. 
Yeah, the hunger rules. Um, <laughs> but I I didn't really expect what I was expecting out of it, and then it was very vibesy. It was very like mm-hmm. chill, but also like a lot of long shots, a lot of just like just in mood and whatnot. But it was really cool, so I highly recommend those two. Um, and then and then I did a rewatch of Blue Steel recently, which I think was still pretty solid. But I think it's not mm-hmm. it's not usually my favorite Bigelow. Like usually I save that for like Point Break. Um, okay. Like, yep. You know, I mean, just that's just like far yeah. done. But like, um, <laughs> but no, Blue Steel was was good. It has some unsettled it has some like pretty like uh like hard to watch scenes but other than okay. that i think it's like jamie lee curtis still doing good and it's like kind of like a thriller a mm-hmm. little bit of and it has some slashery elements a little bit because it's about this kill about this guy who kind of takes a gun from a from a crime scene and then starts killing people with it essentially so it's uh oh okay yeah and jamie lee plays like the cop yeah i haven't seen blue steel it's been on my radar for a long time i kind of like because it's is it 90s yeah, it's like 1990, actually. Yeah, like the beginning okay. of the 90s. Okay, oh, wow, it's like early 90s. Wow, yeah, okay. It's, it's, but it still has a little bit of that 80s vibe of it because it's mm-hmm. still like that moment of like yeah. when the 80s became the 90s, but like still it was, uh, it's a really cool mood piece though. And it's interesting to like watch that as like that was what Bigelow did like right after Near Dark, but before Point Break. Oh, okay. So it's like wild. I didn't realize it was that early because I like the 90s era of Jamie Lee Curtis because what is mm-hmm. that? Um my god the schwarzenegger one that she did true life oh true life yeah true life rules i love true i Lies. love that one so that's good one of my favorite ones yeah. she's so good in that movie she's super they're good. both and good but she's great <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> everyone's good tia carrera's great in it i mean yeah. schwarzenegger's good in it. tom arnold surprisingly good yeah. in it so it's like yeah bill paxton oh my god wow remember when movies had tom arnold in them yeah <laughs> it was that was a certainly a time like that and the, yeah. the stupids was a movie i remember him being in and that was a time wow yeah cure has also been on my list i have not seen that one yet it's good and then the hunger i love like it's just it's weird because well i don't want to give too much away but you sure. think there's going to be more hot bowie in it right than they're actually just... in sweeps the rug it's like oh okay but yeah. then but then you swap it out for hot susan sarandon so it kind of oh it kind of works out in of, like yeah, those two true. together i was like i actually no longer care about david bowie i just want <laughs> yeah, them exactly. so yeah it's uh tony scott probably i don't know i do actually like tony scott maybe his best but like it's so different from everything else he's done right it's so yeah it's it's wild that he like after that was like yep i'm gonna make top gun i'm like that's so wild that's just like yeah I don't I don't even understand how, how how you get there, but like I'm happy. And then like put a movie like I don't know, Tony Scott is like I last Boy Scout's really good though, too. But like I yeah, it's hard to say with Tony Scott. May, oh, maybe yeah. true romance, but then again, that's like is that do you think of that more as a Quentin Tarantino movie? Because I think he wrote so. It, so yeah. I think the other Tony Scott that I actually genuinely like is a man on fire. Oh okay. I don't know. I have like a, a fondness for that. I don't know. It gets like growing up with it. There, yeah, there are man on fire fans for sure, but I yeah. I I haven't seen it in a long time, so I have to I have to reappraise it, but I have to see about it. But you're gonna have some uh, some goggles on, be like, hmm, <laughs> we'll see about yeah. Man on Fire. But we're actually here to talk about another man who's not on fire. <laughs> is he? Unless maybe he is. Maybe his <laughs> inner turmoil is on fire. Yeah. We're here to talk about Modern Romance, the Albert Brooks film. Do you want to talk about maybe the first time you watched this film and what your thoughts are on? Albert Brooks's filmography, if how much I don't know how many she's seen. Of course. No, I um I guess like I never really watched Albert Brooks's like movies. Like I saw him in movies a lot. Like I mean I saw like, you know, like thing like out of sight or mm-hmm. broadcast news or 
um, even something more recent, like Drive, even even you know, to mm-hmm. a degree. So it's like he, I'd seen him in supporting acting roles all throughout my life a little bit, but never really watched like any of his movies from start to finish or anything like that. And I think it was maybe like April of 2020, like right when like as pandemic was still raging mm-hmm. at the begin. I started I watched Modern Romance for the first time, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like, what is this movie? And it was so yeah. like I'd never. I mean, the Quaalude scene, which we'll obviously get into, but like yes. oh every scene of that movie, it's just like it's such a like nice. It's like so simplistic but so mm-hmm. like there's a there's a lot going on in it yet it's a very simple plot you can easily explain to anybody and that led me on a path of watching more like i think i like shortly after that watched lost in america shortly and then mm-hmm. I, I i think i'd seen actually to actually I think that's not true. Like, the first real movie of his that i really watched was when my partner emily ganya who is part of we really like her um when her and danita uh Steinberg were doing then they, before we really like her started they were doing what about meryl and and then and during yeah. that time they did defending your life and that was mm-hmm. a movie i immediately fell in love with and i would say maybe that is my favorite but also like i have a really good fondness for modern romance a lot of it about it too like i feel like it's hard to like rate every depending on anybody your your favorite Albert brooks movie ratings it's really hard to say like i love real life i love Mm -hmm. this i love lost in america love defending your life i even sort of don't mind the muse like the muse is like not amazing Mm -hmm. per se but like it's like interesting and like Mm -hmm. um mother actually was surprisingly not bad actually too weirdly so you know, I think those movies probably because I know people don't love them, but they probably will get some sort of reappraisal yeah, maybe 10 exactly. years from now, as most things do. Defending Your Life is actually probably the first Albert Brooks film that he directed that I saw as well. Oh, nice. Cool. And yeah, I love that one. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what my favorite is. Like, it's just depending on the day, depending sure. on what I just recently watched. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's modern romance. And then I'm like, it's real life. That's the beauty of his films. And I think they attract, I think there's something for everyone, but some people might find his style of comedy a bit abrasive in the characters that he plays, but it's like right up my alley. Yeah, I love it. It, It's just so sarcastic and witty and like just fast acting. Like, I think it's like he's able to like just have like a rapid fire joke delivery, which like works so well. And I feel like sometimes like during that time period, it was really hard. Like it wasn't it was slowly kind of coming more. And then like, I think throughout the 90s and throughout the 2000s, for sure, rapid Mm -hmm. joke delivery started getting even more so. I think he's always been ahead of his time. Of course. I mean, wasn't he born Albert Einstein? I think that was his name. Literally, I know. So yeah, wild. Ahead of us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's also like, I totally support him being like, I cannot go by Albert Einstein. No, of course not. (laughs) That was just asking for trouble. (laughs) Yeah, no. So now we've got Albert Breck, which brings us into some interesting facts about the film. So the director that the editor, Robert Cole, who's played by uh, Albert Brooks, is editing, uh, whose film he's editing is actually director James L. Brooks. Yep, exactly. Who we all know from several films and television. Yes. It took me, I definitely didn't know that the first couple of times I watched this movie. <laughs> really? I, oh. didn't know, I didn't know who he looked like. Fair. I just okay, always knew fair. of him, but I didn't know. And then I was like, oh, that's uh, that's wild. I love that. that yeah, it's so cool. Meta element to it. And they're like good friends. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're like really good friends. And like, like and what's, it's funny because like, I feel like the first time I ever saw him like in person was like doing like a Simpsons like talk or whatever like that, like behind mm-hmm. the scenes of Simpsons. And I was like, oh, he's really, but like you see him back then in like, in like 1981, and you're like, wow, he was really young. He was yeah. like, you know, so it's like, wow, okay, you're not super bald and like old gray beard. You're like, you're still just a regular beard man. <laughs> exactly. I think that's part of also why I just was like, oh, I did not correlate those two 
like I think I'm pretty sure I saw his name in the credits, but just didn't realize, oh, he's playing that character. In it's it. so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. The next fact is a two-parter oh. because it's a lot. So after this film came out, Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Director Stanley Kubrick, for anyone who may not know. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want to see him. But yeah, true. after the film came out, he called up uh, or he called Alvin Brooks and said, how did you make this film? Like, I've always wanted to do a film about jealousy. Kubrick later made, I guess this is like 18 years later, made Eyes Wide Shut, which is somewhat mm -hmm. about jealousy. But he said, Albert Brooks said they had a test screening that didn't really go well. The studio heads were angry. And it was like, he says in his words, it was like I shot a child. <laughs> they <laughs> called me in and read me some cards. He's got a good looking girlfriend, a fast car. What's his problem? Yeah, so they true. wanted him to add a scene in which his character goes to like a psychiatrist to explain what's bothering him. But he's like, I don't know what's bothering this character. So I can't <laughs> change anything. The guy's depressed, right? True. And then Stanley Kubrick calls him afterwards, praises the film. And he was like, I can't believe the guy who made like 2001 is asking me for pointers on this film. <laughs> it just made him feel really good about his work. Of course, and I think I, he I, yeah, of course. I think there was a there was also like a thing where like he would call him almost too much, and Albert was like, "I I can't, I can't do it. I yeah. can't talk right now." So it's like, <laughs> imagine like being annoyed by Stanley Kubrick. I mean, <laughs> only I Brooks can imagine. would. <laughs> I feel like True. me too, Fair enough. because yeah. he's not. I'm not the biggest Kubrick as a human fan. That's true. Good point. Very good point. Filmmaker is different, but that's. Totally funny. We're like, sir, I'm at dinner. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, go to bed. <laughs> to be a fly on the wall when that call happened. <laughs> Truly. One of the last ones, which is probably the most interesting, probably maybe just to me, but so Albert Brooks's real life brother, Bob Einstein, plays a sporting goods salesman. And I had absolutely no idea until a couple of days ago that that was Super Dave. <laughs> a couple, really? Only a couple of days ago? Wow. I didn't, I just was like, I, the whole time, every time I watched it, I was like, this guy looks familiar. Right. This guy looks familiar. I don't know where it's from. And I just never bothered to look. And when I read it, I was like, how did I not know that Albert Brooks and Super Dave were brothers? And that that's, that's Super Dave. It's amazing. Also, like, uh, like have you watched Curb Your Enthusiasm when he's has yes, shown up? Yes, that's a, that's yeah. what I recognize him from. Right. Also, from at that point, but as Super Dave, it's weird because I used to watch it occasionally as a kid. It would come oh, on. Yeah, I watched it a lot as a kid. <laughs> I love that small world, really. But truly, I love when you find siblings who are like, "Oh, what? You two are from <laughs> the same family?" Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, Albert Brooks would never do the things Super Dave did. No. <laughs> like, and even even no. if even if Super Dave didn't really like jump all you know all that stuff, obviously, mm -hmm. like even even still, Albert Brooks would barely do any of that stuff. No, absolutely not. He'd be like, uh, "I will pay someone maybe to do yeah, it." Then exactly, <laughs> I'll do my own like you know sound effects for running footsteps. Oh, as so cool. We'll talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're ready, I'm ready to talk about the film itself. Yeah, of course. So we open up with the breakup scene. There's no music in the background. This this film has no actual score. There's a lot of music. There's no score in this film. We're in like a restaurant diner. Robert, played by Albert Brooks, is sitting there alone. He's joined by his girlfriend. I don't know if it's either if you kind of know Albert Brooks and his style of comedy where you're already kind of nervous about what he's doing. Also, it's in a synopsis that he breaks up with her. But right. if you didn't know that, 
you kind of figure something's happening because mm-hmm. there's no music. It's very stale. The air very, is very it's a stale. Very cold open. Yeah. Like a very like just like like it doesn't like movie just sort of like there's a production company and that just sort of just starts. And you're like, oh, okay, well, we're just yeah. right in it. All right. And I kind of love that. What I love about that is that he is not asking you to sympathize with this character, even though no. he's the lead in this movie. Right off the bat, <laughs> you're kind of like okay, this man's breaking up with her for no real reason. Yeah. And he's done it multiple times before because she's like, again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's upset that she won't stay for dinner. He's like, well, you could leave after we've already eaten. Yeah. I just love his confidence in being like, you're still going to want to watch this because you have this sort of, he kind of is very good at like captivating people's attentions. 100%. Where you're like, I need to watch you, whether I like your character or not. And like, I don't actually like this character, but I, I love Albert Brooks and I have to watch everything that he does. So to open a film like that, I think is super brave. Yeah. He's like the ultimate sad sack. And you're like, okay, I guess I have to, I'm, I guess I'm just with this character for the next hour and a half and just like, yeah. just want to see what, where, where he goes from here. Like, I mean, we've already started at like what seems like rock bottom in a way, or like not, maybe not rock bottom, but like a very bottom moment that he's, that he himself is bringing upon himself. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, where do we go from here? Is it going to get, does it go up or is it just going to continuously viral more? What's great about it is we have Albert Brooks as the actor in this film. He also wrote this film. And he directed it. So this is this is him. And I love the kind of physical comedy of this of his performance. And it's not like a slapstick physical comedy. There's something in just the way he looks at something or way his body reacts to it. There's quite a few scenes in this film that I am kind of mentally referring to. One would be the Quaalude scene. Yes, of um, course. So if we track it back a little bit, he has broken up with Mary. He tells his coworker, his co-editor, Jay, and he's like saying, I need to go home. You know, I'm too upset. Jay gives him two ludes. Yeah. <laughs> he takes both of them and it doesn't <laughs> kick in. But then when it does kick in, oh, that's when you start and you can tell right away. And it's not like he's overly dramatic. It's just like in the way that he's kind of swaying his body around and the way he's... <laughs> Holding the phone. Just how do you feel about his physical comedy? Because there's a scene in that, there's a line in that when he calls Jay again, he's like, can you get more lewds? He's like, yeah, like a hundred of them. One of my favorite lines of that scene is just where he's like, oh, he gets a phone call. He's like, oh, a phone call, Mr. Popularity. It's like so funny. And it's like, I'm like, of course, I will say that whenever I get like two text messages in a row from two (laughs) different people. But, uh, but like, there's just like the way he's like reacting, like walking about. And then like the way he's just like, like on a like he, he'll hit like a door randomly and you're just mm-hmm. like oh that's so that's or he'll like hit the or like the records part where he's like look at all yeah. my records i love my records and then he puts a record on and he's like i don't like this song <laughs> not record time no more record time so and like he makes that one phone call to the like the girl he kind of remembers but sort of doesn't remember he just like look at his rolex be like look at all my friends it's like yeah he had it's just like the heightened sense of like i am i'm important almost but like but then he like quickly spirals down the minute like he gets that one call from from the one friend and then it's like mm. he's like oh i heard you how's you and mary and whatever and and he's like uh you know it's we we broke up and he's like what if, I, what if i asked her out and like the quick like the quick turn he has right there in that moment which is hilarious like, it's it's hilarious because i'm like i can't really fault him and be like sir i just yeah. told you we broke up can <laughs> you like maybe wait a day go back <laughs> in the trash yeah <laughs> it's just i love his performance throughout the film but the phone scenes are just so great because i think with another actor who doesn't understand this type of person or character just to kind of like 
be narrating what you're doing would not play off well. It'd be kind of annoying, but he does it where you're like, I want you to narrate my life. <laughs> it's so funny the way he's talking about everything. Another scene that I really find funny that's like a more physical one is when he goes to see the, he goes to get running gear. <laughs> yes. Well, like oh, the vitamin scene also too is also really vitamin funny. Where it's like, yeah, and, and he, he's just like, I'm out of, and then out of whatever. And they, they he just recommends like a, a, a couple like different vitamins he needs. And then immediately rocks out, just like just chopping them all down. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just funny. It's also very LA yes. to be like, I need some vitamins to deal with my breakup. <laughs> in the early eighties, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, I got to get myself in shape because he wants to get back in the dating game. And he goes to get some running gear. Essentially, he just wants running shoes. He gets sold like what is probably like two hundred dollars worth of maybe Even more, three. so maybe, maybe three, yeah. And I was like, this is the eighties too, so this is probably like five hundred dollars. Yeah, worth with now. inflation now, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of like gear and Super Dave essentially is like, yeah. well, you're not a serious runner. If yeah, you're looking at this stuff. You got to get all this gear. You got to get an, a wrist wallet. Yeah. You got to get the. You got to run broke. It's so it's such a good line. <laughs> His performance is one of my favorites because he's it's just so understated, so serious. Yeah, and you can't help but laugh. But you're like, I don't know. I think I'd also be upsold by this man. Where I'm like, well, because he oh. makes you feel bad. Because he makes you just like, oh, you you don't you don't want to deal with that. You're not serious. And she's like, well, but I want to be serious. Okay, fine, I'll do it. All right. Yeah, it's fine. like the easiest upselling. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's it's a skill. It's a skill for real. And then we cut to him actually running. He's now got the whole brown tracksuit on, which I love. So it's so like hot in that. Velvet. And I'm like, sir, it's LA. Yeah, you I do mean... not need to be wearing a tracksuit. <laughs> and he's got the headband on. The ankle weights. <laughs> and and then he starts running and he like cuts someone off only, oh, like almost has them injure themselves. <laughs> and he starts running and he's like, okay, I see a payphone. So he, starts, he ran for like I mean... a total of 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and goes to pay phone. I was like, that's my type of working out too. I'm like, well, just me getting out of the house was is a workout in of itself. Yeah. It really is. It's a mental workout. <laughs> there you go. But it's just it, there's a lot of physical comedy scenes, even like the recording of the footsteps when they need to get footsteps for the film and all the ones that we listen to, they're hearing some Hulk footsteps that do not make sense for this. So <laughs> they have to run around him and Jay. It's funny because you don't think of him as like a physical comedian per se because he's so witty but there's a lot of physicality in what he does to make it believable yeah i mean even going back to like a movie like real life he's like he has like when he's doing all the physical comedy which is like the weird cameras and stuff and just like Mm -hmm. even the interview styles he is it's very physical or like you even go to like lost in america where it's very it's all in his like the mannerisms and whatnot because his face stuff so it's like he's just one. he's a like as a comedic actor yeah it's like he he's very well written but he's also yeah very physical and like the way he moves his arms the way he's like the the way he like his face is such a like expression machine almost like it feels like it has so many like he can go from like bummed out to like uplifting to then immediately sat out and like within yeah. seconds <laughs> if we actually talk quickly about a scene like that that you're mentioning is when he goes to pick up his date yes that oh he made goodness. and that's just to me that's one of the greatest scenes in cinema it's just so <laughs> beautiful the way they did it he picks her up they get in the car and they're driving and the song's playing 
and you think they're driving to the destination, not realizing this man's making a huge loop. <laughs> and you can just see the sadness, like overwhelming. The, the long take of just she's out of my life playing while like he's driving yeah. on this new date. It's like I, I, I like I think that was maybe the hardest I laughed probably in the movie when I was rewatching it. I was like, this is it's just so because the, the way it just lasts, it just like stays on that drive. And you're like you could feel the like you're laughing, but you could also feel how uncomfortable you are just watching yes. this. Exactly. And then he brings her back home and he's like, hey, listen, uh, maybe next time I can't do this right now. And she's so gracious about it. She's like, okay, well, thanks for coming by. And I'm like, I would not be. No, no one would be. You'd be like, yeah, you'd be like, get away from me. You're like, what are you? Okay. Don't ever call me again. (laughs) Like, this is a waste of my time. Especially on lewds. (laughs) (laughs) So I I just love that. And I kind of, it ties into one of the next points I want to talk about, which is um, he often plays like a, a neurotic uh, character. Sure does. And I don't know that we see that as often anymore in comedies. It's very of the 60s to 80s era with someone like a Woody Allen being huge portrayer of that type of male character uh, in our books alongside that. I think that we're more, audiences are more accepting of male characters being neurotic and being like this guy's kind of annoying because Mm -hmm. he cannot make up his mind but you still want to follow him you're not super annoyed by him i wanted to read a quick quote by scott tobias who says brooks refuses to let his on-screen alter ego off the hook which may be why he's never been much of a hit maker behind the camera uh his neurosis isn't cute like woody allen's and he never betrays a hint of vanity which i agree with I think that he's never trying to make you feel sorry for this man. I think no. he's this man, this character that he's playing is pretty. He's not a bad person, but he's kind of ugly inside because he doesn't know what he wants and he's taking no, exactly. everyone down with him. And he never tries to make you feel like you should be on his side for it. You're supposed to be on Mary's side or right. anyone else's side. Right. And like I the love mi- that. Like the minute he doesn't have something, he wants it back. But the minute that mm-hmm. he has it back, he doesn't want it or he finds reasons to find problems with it. So it's like he never, again, like going back to what you said, he never knows what he wants because he's constantly just kind of swapping and swapping out always. When Mary finally takes him back after, Mm. you know, this time that we're actually seeing. The giraffe worked. The giraffe worked. (laughs) Well, the the, the drugstore teddies worked. (laughs) And then they spend the night together and the next morning she goes for work. And he's already annoyed. He's like, why are you wearing this? You know, men are going to be thinking this and that about it. And then he's already the monologue starts where he's like, well, am I happy? Is this a good thing? And then he finds, you know, phone bills. (laughs) <laughs> which is a wild place to leave a phone bill in your bathroom in your, in your bathroom like t- yeah like like wouldn't that be more in like an office like yes cabinet your or like a cabinet? even yeah, yeah exactly like i don't know where yeah, maybe oh then i don't know maybe she's reading her her bills in the bathroom i don't really know who's maybe say, who really. knows <laughs> we're we're too young for landlines even though we were of the landline you know yeah, era that's true but he's always just fine trying to find an excuse to get out but he doesn't want to be alone. So he needs exactly. to have someone there at all times. And that's kind of aggravating. But there's something in the way that he portrays it that you're like, oh, you're kind of like Mary, just, you know, take him <laughs> back. He seems like a fun time, but I'm sure being with him is probably the worst. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, like, it's like what he said, where it's like, we fight, we fight, and then we have great sex. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess, I guess it's just that's the routine works for you. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that cycle of going on. And I think this is a great film that discusses, you know, the concept of relationships and commitment. And, you know, once you're past sort of the honeymoon phase, how you navigate that, because they've obviously been together for long enough that, you know, when his mom is calling him, she's like, oh, how's Mary? So yeah. it's like, they're deep enough. And he says, oh, we've broken up again, so on and so forth. So they've been in each other's lives quite a while, but it's something that's preventing him to commit to her because he, I think, I guess it seems like every time he's like, okay, we're going to the next level, he needs to leave her. But there's something that's bringing her back. And it's kind of that concept of, you see a lot of romantic comedies, there's always this sort of breakup scene and what gets them back together. But this is different. There's like a sadness <laughs> to right. both their characters and why they cannot let go of each other because they're obviously not good for each other. Yeah, they should just like, be in a physical uh, relationship. They think it's destiny and then they continue to question destiny. But then they think it's like, well, we'll, we'll just do it. It's like almost like settling for less, but then continuously not wanting to settle. Exactly. It's so wild. <laughs> Which is it's it's weird because I think the, sh the film shows you that they both could easily be with other people. Right. Of course. Yeah. Because he immediately gets a date. And he also works in the film industry, so mm -hmm. he would not have an issue getting another date. She's an attractive woman. And she continuously, like, meet, and then, like, when they go to that party for after mm -hmm. the, the film, like, she's just, like, yucking it up with people, like, the, at the party, and he's, like, having to be forced to meet George Kennedy, or, like, talk to George yeah. Kennedy, essentially. And he's, like, but the problem is, is that she's able to, like, let go and just, like, kind of, like, oh, I'll enjoy myself at the party, but he's just, like, continuously staring at her, being, mm -hmm. like, what is she doing? What is she, why is she going to that bathroom with those two guys? And then, yeah. <laughs> Exactly that. And I think their relationship is definitely not equal. I think that no. she knows what's happening, mm -hmm. you know, and she's like, okay, well, at least I have someone for this time being, because even when we get to that party scene, she introduces him as her friend. Yes. They go, this is my friend, Robert. And he gets obviously pissed off about that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I think we're a bit more than that. And she's like, yeah. Ah, yeah, well, you know, technically we only just got back together. I don't think she takes him seriously. I think she finds him entertaining. Right. And she's probably also lonely, but doesn't think this is all the ultimate thing for her. Whereas he, deep down, I think, does just doesn't know how to go about it. He seems to be a lot more obsessed with her than she is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which kind of brings me to the concept of, I know it's kind of a concept that people are talking about a little bit more nowadays, but mm -hmm. like gaslighting and yes. versus him being very charming. So I think. I think that Robert is charming enough. Like people watching it might not think that they could be charmed by him, but I think he could charm anyone. Some people are very charming and they can get you to do basically anything you want. They it's want, true. but I think he's also very much gaslighting her throughout this. You know, he's yeah. very passive aggressive about everything that she does that he's not aligned to. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel about, and this is not me. I, I do enjoy the Robert character. I'm not shitting on him. I do like right. him a lot. Uh, <laughs> but just being honest about. Yeah, I mean, like, he he is kind of, like, more or less a gaslighter. But also, like, I think he, he it's because the way he speaks when he, in that charming way. Like, he has this kind of, like, again, like, going back to his, like, his mannerisms. But, like, also, like, mm -hmm. it's a bit of that neurosis stuff that kind of, like, I think people just, like, see through it. It's like, oh, it's sort of charming in a sweet way because, like, you're in touch with the way, the things that bother you. But, but also, like, you're also very charming and, and able to, like, poke fun at it at the same time. So it's, like. 
like it comes up as that facade of like you know like the charming like night like the nice guy aesthetic he kind of comes across as that but then also has all of these underlying like assholeisms almost at the same mm-hmm. time too so it's like it, which i mean i think most i mean as a man most men have that unfortunately yeah. where that's like they're just like charming one second and then a minute like you know you do you hang out with them long enough and they're like oh well they're, they're too honest almost and then it's like the honesty is like oh well that's is that a are you are you just being nice to me? are you being honest with me or are you just trying to be a dick or like what do you, you know yeah so it, it's just funny to see and like i think it's just the way he carries himself right it's like it's almost it's the way like the way he he takes the like to, to language almost is sort of like mm-hmm. kind of like you, you almost feel like you're kind of intertwined by or like like you're very like oh i, I want to talk to this person more because they seem very well read they seem very you know but the problem is being very well read means that it could go either way almost too yes really and i agree with all of that there's something i read someone said that he isn't so much a monster it's just that he doesn't realize how crazy his behavior seems exactly yeah how specific he wants everything yeah i agree i think that he 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 is gaslighting her but i don't think he's doing it purposefully he's not mm-hmm. vindictive he's not purposefully trying to ruin her life right. or her day it's a, that he's so passionate that he's overwhelming <laughs> and he's self-centered uh that oh, he's extremely. Only thinking about his own feelings but only because that's just how some people are true you know they're not trying to be mean it's just that they kind of are but not on purpose and you kind of have to give a bit of allowance to them depending on the person yeah. and who you and are and the context of the situation sometimes the situation mm-hmm. like doesn't call for it or like yeah. like if you if, if like if you're too by if like you're in a party and you're like s- saying like oh no well, i think we're more than you know all that stuff it's like well you're kind of making everything weird around everybody around you so it's like yes yeah but if it's just the yeah. two of you then it gets either it can you know it can get worse or better depending <laughs> exactly and when we talk about robert and mary's relationship the first scene as we said we're getting with them is a breakup scene we don't get any sort of scenes what they were like before that no other than obviously they like each other and they've broken up a few times beforehand he works in the film industry he's an editor and she works in a bank so very different jobs very different industry Mm-hmm. uh very different people that they're around and they don't seem to have an actual interest in each other's works no it's that's true very that's... much not interested in you know her bank yeah. life, other than the clients that she might have to be with and he's she's not interested in that one driving scene it's also like um like they're just like you're like what are you thinking about it's like well, i'm thinking about the account what are you thinking about it's like what would, I t- what would be funny if i told you if it was i was thinking about the account too or whatever it's like it's, it's like he's just saying that to be a dick but also like to be trying to be make funny but like also comes off across as dickish too yes so <laughs> exactly it's like they don't they can't really relate to each other on a professional level which is fine right. you don't have to be in the same no, industry as the person you're with but then i think what we see throughout the film is that they don't really have much in common other than their physical attraction for one another. Yeah. Like we don't see them really hanging out other than when it's like a heightened scene, like they're breaking up or they're getting back together. Yeah. Because despite the fact that Mary is the um, co-star of this film, she's really not in it that much. It's mainly uh Brooks. Brooks. yeah like i like you could you could argue that bruno kirby even has like more of a mm-hmm. presence in this movie too yeah which is totally true who i love i do i love bruno kirby yes bruno kirby r.i.p so good yeah love he's him. so sweet to look at and i love when he's in a film 
And I love his energy with Albert Brooks in this yeah. because he plays off him really well. Yeah, you'll, you'll inevitably you'll inev- eventually do a between the lines episode, and yes. you, you talk, and they'll be talking extensively about Bruno Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he is definitely uh, the character oh, in yeah. that, even oh, yeah. more so than like Jeff Goldblum's character in that. <laughs> definitely all Bruno Kirby. So we kind of chatted about real life, which is another mm-hmm. film by Albert Brooks. I'm going to read a quick quote by Nathan Rabin, who says, Brooks casts himself in a world job, in a movie world job seldom seen on screen. That's both because the audiences tend to prefer seeing movies about on-screen talent and or auteurs, because honestly, a lot of non-film folk have a very fuzzy idea of what the job even entails, despite its incredible importance. So he plays an editor. A lot of people, like, film people people are interested in film or who work in film know what an editor does and most people have somewhat of an idea but they don't realize how important an editor is to a film one million percent yeah it's not like a position that you see highlighted in film same with like uh i did recently by the time this is out blow up my episode on blow up will be out you don't mm. see sound recordists as main characters in films no. often you just see like a director or an actor so for him to be an editor and his job is a big important, is very important for this film, but it's not a showbiz movie. So how do you feel about him bringing his work as an, an artist into real life and how that he brings that quite often through his work? Yeah, I guess like I, I even still like I think I, I actually beforehand before this, I was watching him do his like bits on like Letterman a little bit. So it's like you see that little bits of like just him being himself and that kind of in that mm-hmm. notion. But like it, it's it's interesting because like sometimes there's movies like you, where you see the like the auteur or like the person like kind of i guess i'm trying to say is like it, it comes across as almost honest like it's almost like him being mm-hmm. his true self and it's like the, but it's also like a heightened kind of version of a true self also at the same time like he's not obviously like he is more or less this kind of character and this kind of person but it's not mm-hmm. like he wouldn't be this dickish he would be pretty dickish but it's not yeah. like this bad he's not this aggrodizing but he's like also a little bit aggrodizing so it's like kind of playing that kind of heightened sense of yourself a little bit and then like even when he but his comedy is so honest but like you you see that heightened sense of like himself trying to like heighten the elements that like the neurosis and like being like what if i could amplify those neurosis to like a hundred percent more so because like to and then really showcase it because then it's like it plays into the laughs too at the same time like i think Mm -hmm. like a movie like real life it's like he He's just being like uh, like the guy who's just trying to like interview this family and all that stuff and trying to like <laughs> like figure this like just their lives and whatnot and, like document it. But then it's like going about it in the most dumbest ways possible. And it's like he knows yeah. that, which is so cool. And like a movie like Modern Romance is like, you, you know, it's like watching him be like, OK, well, what would it be like to watch Albert Brooks? trying to romance a woman or like trying to like have this kind of feelings and whatnot for someone and like have and showcasing them it's like yeah it's it's so interesting it's like basically it's almost like putting him in any situation like okay what about him doing a documentary what about him Mm -hmm. trying to find romance what about him being on a road trip or what about him being in the afterlife it's like yeah the idea of just our brooks the character like there's obviously that difference between our brooks the character and our brooks the person but like he's able to marriage the both of them very well in like all his work yeah, exactly that. And I think, I don't know that we see it that often. I think we do, but definitely not as often as you used to of having a comedian and you can separate them from the character they play, but it's going to 
mesh eventually you know it's hard to separate it's very similar to like larry david when you see him on yes. like you know larry david the character on curb is is not too dissimilar to larry david the person but there's elements where he's like he's not that horrible <laughs> but like, no exactly you know, yeah, it's a exactly. heightened sense of self it's like exactly. i think those make that makes the best type of comedian where you're like i know exactly who i am and the way i'm viewed by other people and i'm going to present myself in a more heightened version because you can do that. You're pretending yeah. as opposed to just being that awful human being yeah, exactly. you're every day. <laughs> so, no, I think it's great. And uh, what I do want to say is oh, we did kind of talk about it a little bit, but is just him having chemistry with his co-stars. Yes. Because I think this doesn't work if he doesn't have chemistry with them, because otherwise you're going to be actually annoyed and not want yeah. to watch him if it's just him kind of rambling on and on. So we've got a few people he's he interacts with quite often, but Mary and Jay would be the two core ones. Mm-hmm. And you see his chemistry with even like Charles Grodin in real life. Oh, and then yes. in Lost in America and just having him knowing what they have to offer and playing off of that, which is makes him a great director and great co-star. So how do you feel about him always having people that he has great chemistry with in his films? And it's not always the same people. Yeah, yeah, true. Very, yeah, because like you go like real life, he works with Charles Grodin and like and or like um and like what especially like when you were in like if you go back to like Lost in America when he works with um Gary Marshall and that whole scene and yeah. it's like it just it's like that only works with those two actors like you can't have it be if it was two different ra- random actors at the time it would it would not be the same impact if it was Albert Brooks directing like a person trying to be Albert Brooks. And yeah. then it was Gary Marshall. Like Gary Marshall probably would have carried that scene if it, but if he was there. And then it was someone else. But the fact that it was Albert and Gary, like it made it so mm-hmm. so well done. And then like a th- even like a thing like defending your life when you see him react interact with like Rip Torn even or whatnot. Like he has, <laughs> yeah. or even even Meryl Streep a little bit to to a degree. Like like mm-hmm. he it, it it just I I guess it's just lots of words, but like. It like works so well because it's like he is himself. He's being himself. It just feels like watching. You don't you don't feel like you're watching a character. You feel like you're just watching him be interact with people essentially. And that's what's so beautiful about it. And that's what's so great about how he how he writes. And the thing is, is that also like when you're you know as a writer, director, and star, mm-hmm. you basically are like kind of know every element of how every beat's going to be a little bit too. So it's mm-hmm. like you know, and he already has like experience working with actors as an actor. So it's like he can work with that and then uses the expertise of as a, as a director to be like, well, how can I establish this and then with the written and then maybe he has to change some of the writing depending so it's like he he reacts to every element in the scene from like from the directing standpoint from the written standpoint and from the acting standpoint just so well done and i agree and it's weird because i think when you have someone who's not only the star but wrote and directed this it could feel overwhelming but it never feels overwhelming with his stuff like he knows he knows when to cut away from him yeah and give someone else a scene Despite the fact that he's always the lead because (laughs) you want to watch him, but he's never like, I need to show off. He likes to build off of other people's sensibilities and comedies, which makes for just a great comedian. Which is so so interesting because like you see him in like, like a, well, more of a, when he's not directing or or writing like James O'Brook, like when he's in broadcast news and he's working Mm -hmm. with like Holly Hunter, it's like, he's still sort of still kind of playing himself in a way, but like James O'Brook's is sort of like maybe restrained him a little bit to kind of focus on just like, just kind of like using a very, like the, like, I guess more bottled up 
kind of neurosis almost as opposed to like letting them all out like when he when he works yeah. on his own stuff he's like letting them all out but when he's working in a more constrained environment like or more he's trying to constrain stuff a little bit with like james L. brooks and like broadcast news but he's still you still get that kind of character from that you see in any of his films but still in mm-hmm. broadcast news too exactly i think james L. brooks brought out the sweetness in him yes ex- no 100 percent. yes yeah because you probably because it if he did, yeah, if he made that movie himself, you probably wouldn't want Holly Hunter to be, be with him. Absolutely yeah, not. Exactly. But James L. Brooks is like such a sweet, yeah, he has that kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly that. Because I have yet to meet anyone who has watched broadcast news and doesn't want them to be together. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's rooting for William Hurt <laughs> yeah. in that movie. <laughs> They're like, nope, it's all about Albert Brooks yeah. and Holly Hunter. But if he had directed it, as you said, they would probably still get together, but you would For be sure. like, oh, man, this is not going to last. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is not going to be good for anyone involved. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, which is, I like that. I kind of like the cynicism. I know it's not for everyone, but that's no. definitely my style of comedy that oh, I like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the last things I wanted to chat about was the ending. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the ending, he drops in on her on a work meeting. Yes. And it's it's a scene that's interesting because there's no way you're waiting for this man at that <laughs> yeah. point because he's being really mean. He's being rude. And you kind of want her to just tell him to buzz off. And be yeah, like, okay, more or bye. less. And yeah. I'm done with you. Okay, you are ruining my career at this point. Are you <laughs> trying to? But then she agrees to go away with him for the weekend. They drive off to somewhere in L.A. Yeah, some like nice resort, like 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 forestry area. Yeah, yeah, that we never see. <laughs> like <laughs> usually in cinema, when we're talking about uh, California, and right off the bat, you know, she goes to make a phone call, and you can see he's like, "Okay, we're starting," and yeah. the wheels are turning, and he's gonna go down that spiral that he's been spiraling down the whole mm-hmm. movie. And he's spiraling, and then they get into the whole argument, and. uh she admits that she was seeing someone when they were broken up. He asked her to marry her. <laughs> she yeah. agrees. And then we cut to just kind of no scenes, but like the just text. Yeah. Text on there being like, they got married, they divorced, they're now dating. Again. Marry again. <laughs> which is hilarious. How do you feel about that? Just not having those those scenes be seen in like a flash forward montage and just being like this is how i'm ending it on this note and this is what happened to these characters i love it because it's like the, it's like the epilogue that you kind of like because you think it's like oh it's gonna be a happy ending because well or like you you were even kind of like is this a happy ending i guess yeah to, they're, they're just getting married okay all right and then you see this epilogue of just like three lines of text and you're like oh so they all right they got married it was fine and then they divorced oh okay yeah uh, and then they got back together like so this is just gonna it's just a, this is a vicious cycle it's just never gonna stop it's just like they're gonna continuously do this and just like they it almost it's almost like a weird like messed up version of fate in a way it's like this is their mm-hmm. fate of just like they're gonna just be uh, forever just like on again off again on again off again for like the rest of life it seems like and it's sort of like i guess in a way like the like the the like the meaning of the movie is that like relationships are circuitous i guess um mm-hmm. where it's just like it's just gonna be a vicious cycle and like it never ends because it's just like a circle it's just like it's just gonna continue to go on and on and on and on and like he's just gonna continue to have his neurosis that's gonna infuel and enrage her she's 
he's gonna somehow take him back every time because there's something charming about him that she yeah. likes. It's like it's like it's just never gonna end, and that's what's so funny about it to me. It's just like to have an epilogue. Like when comedies end on an epilogue, sometimes it's like, okay, what where are these characters now and everything like that? And then that mm-hmm. can be quite funny. But then it's just like, no, it's just like a thing that's just gonna always happen. It's gonna no matter what. It's like that's 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 their life. This is just this whole thing happening over and over and over. Which I love because it's kind of yeah. it's pretty realistic i think everyone knows that type of couple who's broken up several times and oh yeah for keeps sure, getting for back sure. together where you're like okay so well, i guess we'll follow along and you have to just be pa- you have to be passive about it and be like all right i guess okay can't say anything because if i said if i said something and then you break up and then i say something worse and then you get back together then it comes back on me it's like yeah yes it's never good for the friend <laughs> no you're like i'm just going to as you said sit passively and just watch And when you want to vent, I'll just nod my head (laughs) and we'll go from there. One parallel, which I guess I was going to say for the double bill, but I'll just say it now. One parallel that I found with these characters, it reminds me of the characters in Minnie Moskowitz. Okay. All right. Of just two people. They're a little, the characters in modern romance are a little bit less chaotic and Mm -hmm. self-destructive than in Minnie Moskowitz, (laughs) but it's two people who are obviously not good for each other. They're trying to say no to each other. We shouldn't be together, but they're gravitating. It's like a magnetic pull Mm -hmm. and they cannot stop from being around each other. And it's kind of like this with these two, Robert and Mary, where they're like, there's something that's keeping them in each other's lives instead of making a clean break. Right, right. And they obviously don't make a clean break, even though they're divorced at at the end, but they're still dating. And... (laughs) From what we we don't know when they'll finally make a full break or if they ever will. Maybe this will just be their whole life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I mean if you if you like it, sure, go for it, I guess. But if yeah. you <laughs> sometimes it's like we shouldn't be involving other people in this and we can no. just have this contained chaos. That's their personal life. I don't have to do anything with it. They can no. you know, they can figure it out themselves as if they want to. As long as you don't have multiple big weddings that I need to go to then we're all good i mean i feel like you have to pay for it to like if it's like you know not a destination if it's multiple destination weddings well that's a problem that's like that's too what is where's this money coming from in that case but like if if it's like multiple small scale weddings well i mean if the bar is open sure okay it's free oh yeah that's not the worst but like i will definitely go to that i don't know if i'll get you a gift each time but if you have an open bar i'll shoot you like 50 bucks i think one. i think at that point you should be able to do one gift and then if they continue to get back together and then they continue to have multiple different weddings you could be like well i don't need to get you i'll get you like a gift certificate maybe but like (laughs) you know because then they can make decisions themselves but like exactly (laughs) i mean i'm I'm only gonna get you one toaster i'm not gonna get you five toasters yeah no exactly like what happened to the last one yeah exactly you You still probably you know and also like you don't need a collection of toasters so or unless you (laughs) You really want them unless you keep selling them after you break up or something yeah and in which case i'd be like do you need this toaster yeah just return it to me yeah i'll take it back i might hold it for you next time exactly (laughs) i'm in the market for a new one are there any other parts of modern romance that you want to chat about that we haven't covered just quickly going back to the quaalude scene it was really funny Mm -hmm. because like i i I saw this like because obviously I saw this after I saw Wolf of Wall Street. So it's like I had been used yeah. to the, the Quaalude scene there and being like, oh, my God. And I honestly feel like the one in, in Wolf of Wall Street, while still really good, is a bit like a too like a bit not hyper stylish, but like too like 
maybe over-exaggerated a bit where like it yeah. felt a bit more like a bit more normal to see it in, in modern romance where it's like, okay, he's just a, kind of being sluggish. He's like mm-hmm. obviously making bad decisions, just kind of saying whatever the hell comes to his mind. And then like attempting to, and it's funny how they both have scenes where they both end up trying to go into a car and, and try to drive and it doesn't oh, work yeah. out very well for either of them. Like <laughs> his battery dies. So it's like, and then the, oh, and that part where he's like, I need, I need to jumpstart my car. He's like, can you like, well, you back up. And then she just drives away and it's like, no, I need your car. <laughs> so, so, funny just like that whole part and, he's, and then where you, and, and he talks in the mirror and he's and he goes like all right you you made it <laughs> and that's it that's my favorite part the next morning where he's like you know what you didn't drive yeah high out of your mind you didn't get to mary's house so you should be congratulated and i yeah. love that just because i feel like i've had those moments too in my youth where you had a big drinking night and then you're like whoa did i just not vomit that whole night yeah. Good for you. <laughs> you made good decisions along the way at some point. <laughs> also, like, I mean, as I mean, if anybody's out there who has Quaaludes, uh, please let me know. I will send you my address later. But uh, I know they're hard to come by now, apparently. But still, just... I yeah, I, I've never I've never done Quaaludes. No. I know it seems like it's a very 80s, 90s. Oh, it's incredible. Drug. Yeah. yeah. Um. You just can't find them anymore. I think, or like they're just like, like they don't. It's not like as easy as it was back then. Obviously, but mm. like it's like which is so you know. I guess I guess edibles is that replacement. But even then, edibles True. cannot cannot always do. When I see them, I'm like, man, an edible can't do that. But, <laughs> so it's always you know exactly. I mean, he was he was willing to buy a hundred of them. Yeah, you know, it's been, it's been that good. I would say. <laughs> I love when he's he calls Jay because he calls Jay a couple times. So good, yeah. And, the first time he's like, I don't think they're kicking in. And he says that he took both. And Jay's like, he took both <laughs> yeah. of them? He's like, okay, I'm going to need you to sit down <laughs> and relax because it's going to kick in. And it's not going to be a good time for you. And then later he says, like, I, I just want to say I love you, man. And he's like, oh, yeah, thank, that's, that's, yeah you got some sleep. <laughs> yeah. He's like, please stop calling me. I'm trying yeah. to work here. <laughs> I love that. I love their relationship. As I said, I love his relationship with everyone, even down to his uh, running shoes salesman, aka yes. his <laughs> brother. Uh, even George Kennedy. I think that's a yeah. fun cameo and the the film that they're. It kind of. I kind of want to watch the film within a film. It kind of was cool. Same. I, I and it's funny because like I didn't. I, sometimes I don't think about this as a movie about movies in a way because sometimes it is a movie about movie making in a weird like mm-hmm. not entirely entire. It's like very much more of a subplot or more, very much more like kind of what's happening in the background of the movie. But like it's really and like I, I didn't think of it in that kind of way of like you know it's not like it's not like Bowfinger obviously but like obviously no, a yeah. big fan of Bowfinger but like uh you, you know so it's just like it's it's cool to see that it's a, a movie about movies almost it's like you know showing the the under the undermen of like how the the editing process goes and the decisions the director wants to make and all that kind of stuff too yeah and i think it's it's fun and relatable in that way because it kind of just treats it like it's just a regular job for him right. as opposed to glamorizing it because even when james l brooks uh's character comes along and they're trying to talk tell them about the cuts they made the edits they made and he's like oh well i don't know how you feel about that and they're going to back and forth and distressing you know like oh that's just like talking to your manager yeah who's like oh i think you need to edit this email <laughs> so on. i was like this is triggering for me but i just yeah i love seeing that behind the scenes and just like the little room that they're sitting in to do the editing and how they talk about oh i made cuts to this and their reasoning but it's not 
it's not a film about film. It just happens to be that they are filmmakers. Yes, then, exactly. Right? And I like that a lot. It just adds depth to this story that seems like it's a very simple story. It's about a couple who keeps breaking up, but there's more to it, which is, I find, with a lot of his plots. Although, I yeah. guess maybe real life and defending our life are a bit more elaborate. <laughs> yes, more incredibly. Going on. And Lost in America, too. Yeah, because it's like about like a road trip and all that stuff, too. Yeah. This is great. I think that's how romantic comedy should be. It should just be yeah. simple, but there's what else you have to offer that makes them memorable. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's modern like M- romance. Um, <laughs> modern, <laughs> modern romance. Yes. Yeah. In a way, but modern also romance. modern life. But also, there you go. So, exactly. If you're ready, I'm ready to yeah. get into the end credits. Sure. You've done before. I know you've seen a few Our Books films. We live in an era where some people love love and know Albert Brooks. Some people don't know who he is at all. So if someone were to come up to you and be like, I heard about Albert Brooks, where should I start? What film are you recommending to them? Wow, that's hard. Because like I because like I mean, if I, if I go by personal favorite, I would go by defending your life a little bit, but also mm-hmm. like I think back to Lost in America, and it's just like a very like sim it's it's like it's 90-ish minutes, it's simple, it's just like a road trip movie, and like mm-hmm. it goes completely off the wall in terms of like these two people who are just like these two yuppies who are like, let's just let's avoid let's stop doing what are doing and then let's just t- hit the hit the open road and how yeah. bad of a decision that move that was. And then by the end they're like, oh actually this was not a good decision. Let's just go back. And it's just it's it's simple. But like I mean and then if you like that, maybe go back to because like real life could be a bit hard for some people i could see that it could be a bit mm-hmm. of a hard watch for some people but like i also think lost america is very straightforward uh we're defending our lives a bit more wide swapped with its stuff about the afterlife and and you know purgatory and and like the whole judgment stuff it's like but and it's and that's also very interesting now in in like a like in a way of like comparing it to like Bo is afraid nowadays where it's like very similar mm-hmm. and sort of like about neurosis and stuff but like yeah i would say lost in america for sure i think that's a good spot to start there's actually before and move on there's a bit in lost in america where he's often talking about easy rider yes and that's true that's true <laughs> and he that... brings it up in modern romance as well yeah i remember he's that like, oh this is like easy rider and i just find it funny that he's like obviously albert brooks is obviously very obsessed with easy rider <laughs> of all movies so that's funny but i think lost in america would be a good one i think this could be a good one too oh, i think for sure. you want one where you kind of get his vibe out yes. there i i don't know i think maybe real life might be my favorite but mm-hmm. as i think i agree what you said it's, it might be a bit too much right yes. off the bat you need to watch at least one more and then gravitate towards that to get his because you might be like this is a lot of this character is yeah <laughs> too much for me to handle so yeah something like a lost in america or this and then you can go you know real life defending your life Second question, double bill question. So what film or films would you pair this one with if you're making a double bill? And what's the reasoning behind pairing them so, together? So I will say Defending Your Life first, but then I'll have a, I have a cooler second one. But like the first one, I want to say Defending Your Life because Mary, in a way, shows up in Defending Your Life. So she like because there's a scene where they're talking about one of the me- like his memories or whatever, and she's mm-hmm. there. So it's sort of like in a weird way, it kind of feels like what what like a spiritual sequel to modern romance could be yeah. in a weird way because it's like he kind of goes in this yuppie lifestyle but more about the like or like his character from Austin America met the Mary from modern romance and then had a relationship yeah. and then he was more of a, so it's kind of interesting in that sense but the one I, I really want to talk about one is uh is Chilly Scenes of Winter by Joe Macklin Silver 
because it's both of them are very much like sad sack classics where it's like yeah. just like you know john hurd is a sad man who just always want you know wants Laura, like uh, mary beth hurt and like the minute he has her he feels like it's so great but the minute he doesn't he's like he hates it and he continuously always wants her and then he like obsesses over her to like really sad degrees of like going to her house and like watching her and then like building a replica of the house which is even weirder and I, yeah. I, I I like the relationship, like the scenes of just like cringiness in there is like very much prevalent there. And I it, it's I, I love I love Chelsea's order so much. And it's, I think it's just I think it's like a very good pairing with it for in terms of if you want to see like sad sack men like deal with relationships in the worst way possible. Yeah. And sort of and sort of learn from it a little bit, but like ultimately, I feel like maybe choices of winter. He kind of learns more about it from there, where Albert Brooks just does not learn. I think that's the point, where it's like it's like no hugging, no learning. So it's like choices of winter. At least he kind of learns a little bit, but yeah. I mean, I figured you would pick Tilly Scenes of Winter because I know <laughs> yes. you're a huge. I also had put that on mine just in case it hadn't come Fair. up. Fair, that's funny. But I do think, I think that's probably the perfect double bill. Um, because the other couple that I had mentioned were mini Moscovitz would be one. And mm-hmm. then Annie Hall could also be one. But oh, I Annie think, Hall for sure. Yeah. A- yeah. Annie Hall, because I think those are two people they're circling. It's the same mm-hmm. deal. And then you get two same deal. comedies, but I think the perfect one would be Chili Seeds of Winter and yeah. then Modern Romance. I don't know which one I put first because I love them both so much. I'm like, I don't know which one I want to end my night on, but I think that as you said, maybe put Chili Seeds of Winter second because he kind of learns his lesson at the end yeah I guess, I guess it depends on what you want like do you want to learn do you want them to learn the lesson in the end or do you just want to laugh at like what an, what the yeah. epilogue will be exactly so it's like it depends on your mm-hmm. mood <laughs> exactly i feel like someone needs to put those on as a double bill in uh, Toronto. I, yeah one hopefully <laughs> yeah just, i did see like, chili scenes in winter yeah. in the cinema were you at that screening uh, yes, I did. Was I? It was a couple okay. years ago. Yeah, that was Alicia's screen. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Um, but I also the other other one I actually kind of thought of in my brain was the Lonely Guy with Steve Martin and Charles Grodin. It's from like uh, okay. some early eighties, but it's like it, it's it's more just about like sad. It's more like just another movie about sad sack men. But like, um, yeah, that's more or less just why I think if you if you if you're in a sad sack men mood, that's kind of there too. So that's that's a mood that I'm typically in. I haven't <laughs> seen the Lonely Guy. I'm looking at it right now. It, yeah, it's, it's pretty Arthur good. Hiller. Yeah. Okay. Good I love Charles Grodin and anything. Like oh, I will watch true. any single thing that he does. I don't yeah, care what me it too. is. Yeah. He's perfect. He's, he, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's modern romance. Yeah. Said it correctly this time. Um I have it on I think it's an indicator release, is that I, I have it on the Blu-ray. It's on Criterion right now, as of okay. October 14th, I think. Because I think they brought it back and mm-hmm. it comes back up on and off. And I feel like they're gearing up to maybe releasing it. That usually what the deal is when they're like, we're going to take it off for a month or two and they're bring right. it back. So maybe we'll get a criterion release of it. But I know Indicator has it great. And I hope yeah. that everyone gets a chance to watch it or rewatch it because it's it's a quick watch. Yeah, and it's very it's quick watch. Time. Yeah. So. And and like Lost in America and Defending Your Life are also in the Criterion Collection if you ever mm-hmm. want to watch those. So and usually not not in stream like sometimes they're streaming, but most of the like yeah. they're really readily available to purchase on Blu-ray. So or you can go to your local video store. Yeah, if you have one, one. Yeah. If you have <laughs> Toronto seems to have a couple left. Yeah, it's but... true. We do have a few. We we're yeah, Bay Street for life, yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> 
Well, Perry, thank you yeah. so much for coming back on the show and chatting Thanks. about an amazing film. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate the, the honor and always love talking about Albert Brooks. Seeing Faces in Movies is an official podcast of the Royal Film Club. It's hosted and edited by Felicia Moroni. Intro music by the Marwalker. If you like what you heard, let us know at seeingfacesinmovies.com or send us an email at seeingfacesinmovies at gmail.com. And while you're at it, please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to the podcast. And stay tuned for our next Director in Focus. To me.